You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. From the first time that fire truck came in, the first sound, within 20 minutes, that fire had spread so quickly that people were scrambling to get out of their homes and their, and, and their house was already on fire. The first thing everyone says is that it happened so damn fast. One minute, it was the hottest day of the year in the Halifax area. Hot and dry, but not dangerous. The wildfires that were burning were elsewhere in the province. And then they weren't. Within minutes, flames were racing for suburban homes less than 30 kilometers from the downtown core. Right now, the fire still rages. Evacuation orders are in place for several areas in the Halifax region. Firefighters are struggling to contain an out-of-control fire in Upper Tentallon, and many homes have been engulfed by flames. The Halifax fire chief says the fire is overpowering crews trying to extinguish it and is rapidly expanding by jumping roads and setting buildings on fire. That all happened yesterday afternoon. Since then, every resource the city and the province can muster has been thrown at the fires, trying to keep it from blazing through more homes. But those resources are strained. There are, as I mentioned, still those fires elsewhere in the province. And of course, firefighters from regions that aren't burning have already been sent to Alberta and British Columbia, where a record-setting start to the season is burning hundreds of thousands of hectares. So what is happening right now? just outside of Halifax. How tense is the situation when the suburban homes of tens of thousands of people hinge on which way the wind blows? How rare is a fire moving this fast, this close to a major city? And how do we stop it? I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Dan Allstrand is the news director at City News 95.7 in Halifax right now. We're speaking at noon on Monday. Dan, how is everything out there? A tactical pause, I would suggest, is probably the best way to describe it right now. The fire's still burning, but we had a shift in the wind direction last night. So that has uh, brought the fire back onto itself. So I don't know if it's growing at the same pace that it was before, but it's it certainly uh, has firefighters have given firefighters a chance to uh, to get a grip on it. Where are you right now, and and what have you been able to see uh, from where you are in Halifax? Because I know after talking to people out west that uh, some of the vistas they've gotten were pretty scary. Uh, today it's not as bad because of that wind shift, the the smoke is blowing towards the southern tip of the province as opposed to directly over the city. But yesterday, the wind was blowing directly at Halifax. And when I first got into work around 4.30, 5 o'clock yesterday afternoon, so the fire had been burning for about an hour, an hour and a half, uh, I managed to secure access to the roof of our radio station, which is in a 10-story building uh, just on the edge of downtown Halifax. And and to look to to the west, you could see this massive plume of smoke that was behind the horizon. It was eerie. You could smell it. There was ash falling from the sky onto vehicles and such. And it got to the point around five or six o'clock yesterday evening that that I had to turn the lights on in my office because uh, the, the smoke was blocking out the sun. And when you look to see to the west when the sun was setting, 
uh, it was that really deep red color that uh, is synonymous with with uh, forest fire smoke. And it, it was really thick around here. It was pretty thick last night. I woke up this morning and I had that feel like I'd been sitting around a campfire, mm-hmm. that piney, smoky taste in your mouth. I had that this morning. And my house is, is a long way away from where the actual fire scene is. So it really created a large plume of smoke. And it was just that really eerie feeling that I'll remember. Yeah, You just have that, that sense that this is a massive event and this is going to impact a lot of people because we all know where that fire was. For those who aren't familiar uh, with Halifax, the surrounding areas, where is this fire right now? The, the urban area of Halifax is, is a peninsula that sticks out into the Bedford Basin. Those that have been here will relate to Halifax being across the harbour from Dartmouth. This fire is about 30 kilometres as the crow flies directly west of the city in a, in a community called Upper Tantalan. I uh, had some friends and colleagues that live out in that area, and I've had conversations with them earlier today and last night, and the mood is panic. Lots of people don't know what's what's in front of them. They left with the shirts on their backs. This fire took less than an hour to go from a fire call to the first set of evacuations of a, of a large subdivision in Tantalan. So people didn't have a lot of time to to get ready to get out and have had very little information since. So they don't know if their house is standing, if their pets that they left behind are still alive. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I, I live in the, in the urban part of the city, so this fire doesn't affect me. But just listening to the stories, it's, it's absolutely heartbreaking. When did it start? And what do we know about how it started and how it grew so quickly? Well, it's been really dry in Nova Scotia this year, some suggesting the driest it's been in many years. Uh, around 3.30 yesterday afternoon, Halifax Fire and Emergency got a call to the Upper Tantalan area about a fire that had begun to spread. Now, they haven't given us any kind of indication yet as to what the cause of the fire was, but when crews arrived, it had already spread from its original source and into the woods, and uh, there was a number of houses right by the scene. So, uh, firefighters moved very quickly to get people away from the area. I had a conversation with a colleague who was one of the first people that was evacuated, and she said they left and they wanted to turn around to go get their cat, and the road was already closed and the fire was already in their backyard. It moved that quickly. So it forced evacuations in two subdivisions within an hour. Uh, within three or four hours, 14,000 people that live in that area were under an evacuation order and were living with friends or at the various comfort centers that have been set up by the municipality. Is that 14,000 the tally so far uh, total? Because I understand that there have been further evacuations, uh, you know, even this morning, and that it's a very fluid situation. It is a very fluid situation. The latest number that we have from the emergency management office is 14,000, but the deputy fire chief held a news conference earlier this morning and said it is, in fact, a very fluid situation and there may be more people that are evacuated. Uh, We have not received that information as of yet, so uh, the latest best figure that I have is 14,000. How common is this at this time of year around Halifax? Uncommon. Halifax shares a lot of its space with Mother Nature. Uh, HRM is a large municipality. It's not just the city of Halifax and Dartmouth. HRM is it's almost the size of Prince Edward Island, some say, uh, and a lot of it is rural. 
and a lot of it is is forested. We've had fires in the past that have caused evacuations. There was one uh, to the southwest of the city in a community called Herring Cove. Uh, that forced about 5,000 evacuations. Then three or four years ago, we had one out in the Porter's Lake area. That was a more or a less densely populated area. That caused some evacuations, but firefighters have said that they've not seen the scale of this fire and the number of evacuations and the number of structures that have been damaged or destroyed by this fire for many, many years. Is the city even prepared uh, to fight this kind of fire? And what kind of challenges does it present, I guess, to be fighting such a fast-moving fire around, like, residential areas? Well, uh, there's a couple of answers to that question, Jordan. The first one is that this isn't the only fire in Nova Scotia. There's another large fire in Shelburne County, which is near the southern tip of Nova Scotia, if you look at it on the map. So there are resources that were being used there to battle that fire. And also well-documented stories from BC to Northwest Territories to Alberta to other places in the country that are all on fire. So there's a finite number of of firefighting pieces of apparatus that are available and they're stretched pretty thin. The second uh, concern with this fire was in the area where it's located. Uh, There's really only one major road that runs through the area. It's called the Hammonds Plains Road. And it it was a problem for some trying to get out. It was wall-to-wall traffic trying to get out of there when the evacuation orders uh, were were levied. People have been raising that concern for a number of years, anecdotally, that this is is a problem. It's a bottleneck. I mentioned earlier that we've had an extremely dry spring. Yesterday was the hottest day of the year thus far. Mm -hmm. I think we were at 24, 25 degrees. Uh, It's really, really dry in the region. And also, we've had a couple of major hurricanes over the last few years. Hmm. And that's knocked a lot of trees down in the woods. And that's just creating fuel for these things. So it's a combination of everything that created this massive fire and allowed it to move so quickly yesterday. A lot of firefighters said that they've not seen one move this quickly, but there's there's just a lot of components that are out there that that fuel these things. And it was windy yesterday too. And as we know, wind and, and forest fires kind of go hand in hand. I know you know this already, but I was speaking with a colleague of yours uh, out West, I don't know, three weeks ago. And the answer was almost identical. Never seen it this hot this early. This was just the hottest day of the year. And then the wind picked up. And how do we grapple with the fact that uh, these aren't going to be as rare as they might have been when we built uh, the cities that are now threatened? Lots of talk about climate change on this fire. Uh, uh, even the firefighting uh, uh, brass that were holding news conferences were, were talking about climate change and that this may be the new reality not just necessarily with forest fires and with dry conditions, but the, the hurricanes that I was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. I've been in Halifax now for about 15 years, and uh, for the first 13 years, we didn't have a major hurricane. We've had two since. Right. And when those things come ashore, they just wreak havoc, and they knock these trees down, and it creates these problems. And it's not like we can go into the woods and clean up the mess. So probably just speaking on my own opinion on this is – this may be the new reality. Mm-hmm. We may have to be dealing with these things more frequently as as the climate changes, not only here, but right around the world. 
What kind of bylaws or uh, construction plans or anything of that sort does Halifax have in place? Again, I know when we've covered fires out in BC and in Alberta, you know, there are houses that are built certain ways or properties built certain way, or, you know, there are brush clearing regulations that you can't have this stuff within uh, 10 meters of your home or whatever. And I guess I'm wondering is how much is the infrastructure in and around the city prepared for this level of fire? But uh, to be honest, I don't know if there are any burning restrictions or brush restrictions. I know that there's a fire ban on now, but right. that is uh, is kind of a rearview mirror look at that. Halifax, as I mentioned, is is a, it's it's spread out. Like the 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 municipality is is spread out over a large area. The fire ch- deputy fire chief this morning said it was a five alarm fire. So that means that they pretty much brought all of their apparatus and and gear in wow. to help fight with this. And, and the the latest number I have is. There was 30 trucks and two helicopters and a water bomber that we flew in from Newfoundland and Labrador hmm. because of that issue, right? That those pieces of equipment are are taxed because they're all over the place. There's fires all over Canada and, they, and they're, you know, uh, hard to come by. We live part and parcel with Mother Nature here. And, and maybe now that we've had this big fire and all of this, this damage and destruction because of it, maybe that is the catalyst for change when it comes to these things. And maybe, maybe we need to change the way that we, we live. It's some, it's some beautiful out there. I'll tell you, there's some beautiful properties. They're large lots and they're, they're lots of trees and there's green space behind them. It's just a wonderful place to live. Mm -hmm. But there was always this, this thought in the back of people's minds that this could happen, but now it has. Mm -hmm. And, and maybe this is, this is going to change the way that we do things here. You mentioned it's all hands on deck uh, for fighting this fire. What do we know about what all hands on deck is? How many people are out there? What they're doing? Are they successfully able to hold back the fire from further damage? The Department of Natural Resources has staff on the ground. Uh, There's 170 firefighters from Halifax uh, municipality that are are working there. The National Defense, obviously, Halifax is a large Navy town. They have their own firefighting service there uh, been pressed into service. I've heard of people who uh, are working for the fire department that were once firefighters and are now uh, have been promoted or are in different training areas and those kind of things that are going to be pressed into service. I'm going to suggest this is since amalgamation of HRM, I'm going to suggest this is probably the largest fire operation that this city's ever seen. What do we know about how successful it's been? In terms of injuries, uh, thankfully, I think, as as at least as we're speaking, there have been no deaths. I know some homes have been destroyed. Do we have any sense of the scale of that? Uh, no official sense of the scale, but I'm told that it's into the 30s or even higher of numbers of houses that have been destroyed. I have no indication of how many have been damaged. There have been no fatalities or any serious injuries, which okay. I think I said earlier was was the silver lining in all of this that mm-hmm. that uh, you know we managed to to avoid any at least to this point anybody being seriously hurt or anybody being killed as a result. This this isn't a large fire. Uh, it's large because of it's been a built up area. It's 788 hectares, which on the scale of things, when we look at forest fires in in other parts of of Nova Scotia and around the rest of the country, is quite small. Right. It's probably too early for us to 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 say how the effort was. I know that those firefighters are working around the clock, of course, uh, and working twelve hour shifts on and off so that they can they can fight these fires. Mm-hmm. My understanding is that firefighting on forest fires 
doesn't happen after dark because it's dangerous. But firefighters from HRFE last night worked around the clock just to put the fires out in the structures that were burning. So that gives you an idea of what the scale of the uh, of the damage and the destruction from this fire is. We've mentioned a couple of times how fluid the situation is. Uh, what do we know about what could still happen um, if the wind is pushing back and pushing the fire back onto itself, but it shifts? Uh, what are the concerns that this could still cause more damage? And that, I guess, because I have to ask, that it could progress further towards Halifax proper? Uh, I think there's there's little chance of it progressing into the urban area of Halifax at this point. Uh, the wind is switched over that it's moving the fire to the south. The danger here is... The fire burned so quickly yesterday that it didn't consume all of the fuel that was available to it. Hmm. It roared through and it didn't burn all of the, the tinder that was there. Now it's blowing back on itself, which one would think would be a good thing because there would be less fuel for the fire. But there's still lots of stuff that was untouched when the first pass went by. So the concern is, is that the fire is going to blow back on itself and then go back into the areas where it's already damaged or destroyed homes and take the rest of them out. Mm-hmm. So firefighters are, are, are trying to prevent that from happening. But I can tell you, it's, it's, it's gusty out there. It's 40, 45 kilometer an hour gusts. Oh boy. It might be a tall task to try and get this thing under control. They're, they're suggesting that this is going to be a multiple day operation before they get fire control, before they're able to say that they have this thing contained and, and those under the evacuation order have been told that they could be out of their homes for 72 hours or more. So we're we're only in into 24 hours on this, and, and I think that it's still going to be a long way to go yet. One of the reasons we wanted specifically to talk to you is, uh, you know, you manage a news team in a, a very much a breaking news world. This is very much a breaking story at the moment. The last time we spoke to you uh, was in the aftermath of the Porta Peak shooting. And one of the things we spoke about then uh, was the problems in terms of communication from the authorities to the public. We thought, obviously, there was a whole inquiry around this. Does that lesson seem to have been learned? How has the communication been? Uh, what comes next? What are they saying there? The evacuees will tell you and have told us that uh, they're receiving very little information on the state of their home. But I think that that's standard across most of these big fires. I can tell you yesterday, I, I started covering this around four o'clock or four thirty, I received more emergency alerts uh, through our radio station and on my cell phone than I have ever seen in in a six hour period in my career. When the evacuation orders were coming out, the uh, the emergency alerts uh, were firing off. And as you know, this that was part of the Portapic inquiry was that they they didn't put them out onto the emergency alert. So that worked well. Uh, we've had pretty good access to to the fire department to, to get information, although the information that they're relaying is is a bit limited. You know, everybody wants to know what how their house is, yeah. and they're unable to give us that information at this point. And I had a conversation this morning with somebody who's evacuated who said, the problem with that is, is if they don't give us any, any information, then A, people will try and go and get their own and try to get back into those fire restricted areas and put themselves in danger or B they'll just start making stuff up. And that's, Mm -hmm. that doesn't help anybody. So the communication, if, if we were comparing this to the mass shooting has been much better, but it can always be better and it can always be improved. And, and you never really get all the information that you want. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
at the time. But, you know, I think I can understand that the main goal of fire department right now is, is to put the fire out and then we'll, uh, we'll look to see what it did after. Last question. And thank you for taking this much time with us. Cause I know uh, the news alerts are coming in from all over right now. Usually I ask, you know, what comes next? I don't think you or anybody else really knows right now. What are you watching for or waiting to hear? Like what will this hinge on in the next 24, 48 hours? Well, the weather. Uh, we're not ex- not expected to see any significant rain in Nova Scotia until Friday. Oh, boy. One of the concerns I don't know if a lot of people are, are thinking about now, because, again, we're only 24 hours in, but uh, there's a housing issue here in HRM. Our apartment vacancy rate is under 1%. Hmm. And now there's going to be multiple families that are going to not have a home. And uh, one of the concerns I have is, where they're going to stay. Because as we all know, even if you do have an insurance claim and and, uh, and you want to rebuild and you start rebuilding, you can't do that in 30 days, especially when there's an event like this. So uh, I, I think that that's probably going to be the, the story that keeps on evolving as this, as the fire, we eventually get this fire out and we move forward is, is what happens next for those families that have been impacted by this fire and where are they going to stay? And uh, and that could be a, another story for another day. Dan, thank you so much for this. Uh, thank you for the work you're doing right now to keep Halifax informed. Thanks, Jordan. Dan Allstrand, News Director at City News 95.7 in Halifax. If you are in the Halifax area, you can keep it right there for up-to-the-minute news. That was The Big Story. For more, you can head to thebigstorypodcast.ca. You can find us on social media. You can find us on Twitter at TheBigStoryFPN. You can write to us. The email address is hello at TheBigStoryPodcast.ca. You can call us and leave a voicemail, 416-935-5935. Hopefully, we'll get some rain soon and we will cease to be a wildfire podcast, at least for a while. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. Stay safe out there. We'll talk tomorrow.